Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3, Connecting Coaches Cognition. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here at a distance with Violet Christensen. We have loved seeing the way coaches from all over are connecting with us on C3 and sharing the brilliance of our guests with fellow coaches. We know that the biggest gift is the gift of your time. Thank you for investing with us and sharing C3 with your fellow coaches. Violet, what's new in your world? I wouldn't say there's a lot new in my world. There's a lot familiar in my world here at home, right? Um, the the one new factor that is making me excited about this week is I feel like we have finally gotten out from being so buried with transitioning to online learning um, and just uh, trying to problem solve some of the technical side that it's been fun to get down to some actual coaching with my teachers and I've really been working with them this week to be reflective and do some reflecting into planning around um, how to set boundaries and how to um, partition their schedule throughout the week in order to find success and find ways for them to recharge their batteries. Um, So many of them are such go-getters that they go, go, go and never stop to take a breath and let themselves recharge. So just trying to be that reflective reminder as a coach to help them do that. Yeah, it's so important. We're really not running a sprint right now. This is now a marathon. Like we've gone from that quick, fast paced part to now you have to settle in and take your time and, you know, keep at it, but not overexert yourself um, because we're really in it for the long haul at this point. Absolutely. And some of these educators set themselves up and we're just answering and um, helping parents and students at all hours of the day. And so just trying to help them to ratchet it in and have some balance between their personal and professional life because it just, it looks and feels so different right now. Yeah, totally. You don't have that sense of leaving the office or leaving your school building to signal the end of the workday and the drive home uh, to decompress. So really finding those times in your schedule. I know I've been getting out for a walk at the end of what I perceive as the end of my workday to kind of signal to myself that, hey, I need to shut down the computer and get outside. Totally. Building those habits are so huge. So it's been fun to see at least some small successes in that and just having people reflect deeper on that. How has it been going in your coaching world, Courtney? What's going on currently for you? I really was being the fixer for the first three weeks of this because it was just that panic mode of we have to get content out to students. We have to help families. And now I'm starting to settle back into being the coach and really asking those deep questions and really helping, you know, educators to problem solve and think through things. It's so funny how we can go back to that fix it mode so easily. I was definitely there with you. It's it's nice to have that breath of fresh air and get back to your your coaching roots if you will, right? Totally. To give you a little insight, we've recorded this episode before the pandemic hit. We still felt it was full of important insights to share. There's a lot of amazing content that can help you build your coaching skill set even from a distance. Violet, last summer, we spent a lot of time refining our coaching practice at Advanced Cognitive Coaching. I know you've been putting in a lot of time to build your craftsmanship and efficacy. How do you think it's going? Well, 
That's a pretty loaded question, but uh, as I look back and think about it and reflect, I'm super proud of the progress that I've made over the course of these two years. It's it's a lot like when you reflect back on your first year of teaching as a teacher, you kind of cringe thinking about those first lessons and wish you could bring all those children back, corral them, and reteach that first year. Um, I feel the same way with some of my coaching sessions, but I think that we all need to honor that learning and dabbling phase. It's really powerful. And um, the first shift for me, I feel like in, in feeling like a coach came at about five to six months when I started to adopt that identity. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really grown slowly over time and it almost sneaks up on me sometimes that now it's my default mode. Um, so I'm proud of that and I'm still working on internalizing a lot of the strategies, but overall I feel good about actually calling myself a coach. You really have embodied the identity of a coach. Yeah, some days or with some people, I'm still more confident than with others, but I'm growing in this continuously practicing to try to get better and become more natural over time. I had someone point out to me recently how the natural flow of coaching is so imperative to the coachee to be able to enjoy that process. So I'm working on refining that and also always working on um, my speed and trying to keep that at a relative pace. What are your hunches about why you're more confident with different people? Well, I think with anything, some people naturally enjoy or gravitate to coaching where some other people um, need to see the power of it through someone else's eyes in order to be ready to jump in or dabble with that. Um, So it depends on if that person is really trying to improve upon themselves. We have to be willing and vulnerable to be open and reflective in order to expand our thinking and to grow. So um, some people like engaging in that work while others don't. So I think that if I can build a natural connection with someone first, then the coaching comes more readily and they're more receptive to it. Just Mm -hmm. like in episode one, we talked about relationships. I think that is really at the key and the heart of coaching. You really need to meet your teachers where they are and what their knowledge base of cognitive coaching is. Totally. Totally. Knowing what you know about yourself, what do you want to be mindful of as you continue to refine your practice? For me, I really want to just be really intentional in how I practice, when I practice, and who and how often I'm practicing my coaching. So just really seeking any opportunity possible. You want to be really purposeful in your coaching practice. Absolutely. How might you apply your newly learned coaching skills? After reflecting in this conversation and just really thinking this through, I think I'm going to dedicate maybe three to five minutes a day to just look over my maps and manuals and be able to construct some quality verbiage and questions to have in my back pocket. I find when I do that beforehand, I'm able to um, have that more readily in my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, I also feel like I want to practice every single day and be intentional with that. So um, between practicing at coaches meetings or being part of that interdistrict coaching collaborative, I run with a fellow coach or even here on C3, I'm just going to seek out coaching practice and opportunities to be coached as much as humanly possible. Violet, it's important to you to have a designated time to practice each day. Yes. Every day, it's probably a different time of day, but as long as it happens every day, I'm pretty happy and I'm just doing my best to try to carve out that time each day. How will you know you are successful? I will feel successful when I can flow without trying to reference a map in my mind or question my next move. Um, If I don't have that little mini coach on my shoulder going, what's your next move? What's your question going to be? I think when I can feel truly flow in it, I will feel like I'm very successful. How has this conversation helped you? It just, 
I, I love these kind of conversations because it just brings to the forefront of my mind all the ways I'm trying to up my coaching game. And I really appreciate that from you, Courtney. That's what I'm here for. Thank you so much. For this episode, we wanted to drill down to understand better how to help coaches enhance their practice. Bottom line, we want to know how do you coach a bunch of coaches to refine and amplify their skill sets. So we brought in a wealth of information on the topic. We are beyond excited to have with us someone who we look up to and an individual who pushes us to deepen our coaching practices every single day. We would like to welcome David Baker, Professional Development Coordinator to C3 Podcast. David, we're so excited to pull you away from your important work in order to join us on C3 today. Thank you for coming and joining us. It's absolutely my pleasure. I'm not sure there's any work that's more important than than the work of coaching and, and you're being such strong advocates for helping coaches grow in their thinking and their practice. This is uh, probably one of the most important things I can do today. Well, thank you for investing in us. It means a lot. And can you tell us a little bit about your background in education and really how you became invested in coaching, as well as a little bit more about what you do in St. Vrain currently? Well, currently I'm the uh, professional development coordinator for the St. Vrain School District and have the really good fortune to work with an amazing group of learning technology coaches and our teaching and learning coaches as we think about how do we make a difference for teachers and students across the district, both instructionally and with use of technology? And also, how do we help teachers as they're joining the profession and joining our district continue to make us a vibrant part of what we do? I got here, though. As a middle school teacher, I started out uh, teaching sixth grade and then became and then moved on to seventh and eighth grade taught math, English, and social studies for a better part of 18 years and adored working with middle schoolers. But I had the good fortune of having amazing mentors and coaches in my career. And what I realized is I made jumps in my practice and my students made growth when I had been coached and I had that deep support for my thinking so that I became a better teacher. And then becoming a parent, it helped me understand my role of, of helping develop thinking and, and ways of being with my children. And, and all of those things came together with the opportunity to become a, a, an induction coach in, several years ago in St. Brain when we worked specifically with first-year teachers. After that, I became a clinical professor and worked at... Uh, as an adjunct professor at CU and uh, in the Partners in Education Master's Program. And then through some really fortunate opportunities, was able to uh, then become the uh, professional learning coordinator. So you really come with a depth and breadth of experience to bring to your coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about the process going on in your mind when you initially start speaking with one of your coaches? How do you decide and determine what map to use so quickly? One of the uh, things, and Courtney, this is one of the fun things about coaching coaches is their high level of thinking. And so I know whenever I go into a conversation with a coach, they have great resources and efficacy, and they will ask what they need help in very deliberately as a part of their word choice, their mannerisms, their behaviors, and so I know if I come in with a belief and a focus on coaching, knowing that 
that I'm choosing a behavior of being a coach and that the, the listening, the paraphrasing, the, the conversation will flow because it's helping build thinking capacity in, in the person I'm talking to. So it sounds like you really enjoy coaching with coaches because you can go to that really deep level. Absolutely. It, when I uh, took advanced cognitive coaching for the very first time, I was like, this is the coolest thing. Of course, I think I said that when I first took cognitive coaching as well. <laughs> and, and pretty much every other time I've done it. But coaching so honors the person I'm working with. And, and coaching is such a deep reflection of teaching in that it's one of the most powerful things we can do. And so coaching teachers and coaching coaches as they think and, and develop their, their practice is such, so, so worthwhile and, and rewarding. Well, and you do it so fluidly that we want to dig a little deeper and try to drill down to what's going on in your mind as this is happening. So I've noticed that you're so impeccable at staying in that cognitive coaching modality, as you just mentioned, something that I'm really trying to emulate more as I continue to grow in my coaching once you've determined which map you're on, can you tell us more about how you determine whether to stay in coaching, collaborating, or consulting? And also, are there any triggers that go off in your mind for you that make you switch your role more readily? One of the, the things, and, and that's a fun question for me, the way I determine my role in the conversation is really watching the eyes the breathing and the body language of the person that I'm in the conversation with. When a person reaches that point of frustration, of lacking resourcefulness, or, or, or with paraphrasing, they continue to come back to a place of being stuck. Often that's where I will try and switch and I'll ask either to consult or to collaborate but by being very explicit and naming it, that allows me to remain as in the coaching role as long as possible. I, I continue to try and channel uh, Carolee as I've watched her over the years. Carolee is, is such a masterful person at pausing. And, and the trigger for me is when I feel my thoughts starting to jumble and I haven't built in the pauses for my cognition, I know I haven't done that for the person that I'm working with. And so being very cognizant of what keeping that internal voice in my, and, and the, the dialogue in my head quiet so I can really be present for the person I'm coaching it is really important. And, and oftentimes I feel that, 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 that conversation is building when a person gets stuck in a cycle. So you're really using all of your powers of observation in order to enhance these coaching conversations. And for our listeners, if you want to hear more of Carol Lee, she was on episode two. You can go back and hear some more from her. Um, she is quite the guru in our cognitive coaching. So another episode to reference. I know you touched upon uh, listening set-asides. Which are the hardest for you and what strategies do you use to help with targeting that set-aside? When I think of the uh, the listening set-asides, because the work we are doing is, is around teaching and it's students, teachers, very much personal work, we invest in the people we're working with so deeply, that, that autobiographical listening is so hard for me. 
because somebody starts talking about a challenge and, oh, I might have had a similar experience as a coach. Or I struggled with a student in the same way and not not thinking with, oh, when I had sixth graders, I had, but staying there and being present. And I know uh, as a as a group, we've been reading some of the work of Brene Brown and 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 her dare to lead, and really the importance of the empathy for what the person's going through, and not what I remember that I went through, is that set aside that is so important for me to hang on to my being present to, to monitor. I love that you shared that set aside. Cause I think a lot of our listeners are raising their hand, like me too, me too. I do that. That's a hard one for me mm-hmm. because I know I struggle with that as well. And really um, I actually saw you do it today in coaching, sometimes using that visual cue of your hand over your mouth or something else to be able to not let those, those things sneak out of your mouth. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to let happen too. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and while we had you on the platform, we wanted to ask some, some questions that were burning in our mind of, for instance, when you're building a team of coaches, what are some things that you're looking for? You do a lot of that hiring and also, um, you're very intentional with this, but how do you promote that team of coaches and how do you strategically build the strongest team possible? Because we know that's your ultimate goal right now. Well, when, when I'm thinking about what do I look for in a coach, I look for a, a person who's a master teacher. I'm looking for a person who's reflective, who's thoughtful. I don't want everybody to have that same personality type because it's the richness of working together that, that makes us strong. I know that I have to have someone who is service-oriented, that, that they're there to help others grow, to help others maximize who they need to be for students. They need to be masters of learning. And so those are things that I look for. Um, when you ask how do you promote a team of coaches, you start with people that are amazing and motivated and try and support them, but get out of their way so that they can do that really good work with, with teachers and principals and schools. I see my role as building resources, helping people stay focused, having conversations about how do we elevate our practice. I know when we started out with te- with coaches in this role, and we, a couple of years ago we said the three most important things that we can talk about are relationships and how do we build relationships. How, how do we elevate the practice of those that we're, we're working with? And, and what are those opportunities we have for initiative to help others grow and find those, those moments? And, and if we are simply honoring that work and we're helping other people make a difference for students, that's very easy. And, and one of the ways that we strategically build a team is we practice. We try every time we get together. And, and I plan very intentionally for coaches means that we learn together, we coach together, and we share. If we're sharing our practice, we will grow. If we're not sharing practice, if we're not coaching each other, if we're not practicing, we won't grow because what you talk about, the person who's the top, doing the talking is doing the learning. That's the beauty of coaching. I don't have to know everything about what's going on in that classroom 
because I want the person I'm coaching to do the talking. I want them to de- to develop that capacity for thinking. I want them to do the learning. I'm the conduit to help them cut through the clutter of the day and all of those ideas and come up with two or three things that they can mo- use to move them forward. That intentional practice is so important for coaches to perfect and grow their craft and I really appreciate that you give your coaches time to honor that. What advice would you give to a new coach? And what advice would you give to a seasoned coach? Uh, new coaches, trust the process. Trust that coaching and keeping the other person foremost present in the conversation will work. Remember that you're not trying to, uh, and this is kind of personal to me. I remember my first year as a coach. Everybody I coached, for some reason, kept getting strategies that made them look like David in the classroom. (laughs) And and I don't want a person to be me in the classroom. I need them to be them. I need them to be truly who they are and empowered. And that was trusting the process was the first that if I coached and asked questions, if I paraphrased, and I was really there for them to become the teacher they want to be, then they would grow. Um, for a seasoned coach, meta coaching. And I, I am such a big believer in coaches coaching each other and then being coached on their coaching. That process of coaching and then being coached on the coaching helps us understand the nuances, helps us think about the intentional choices that we make. It gives us room to practice pausing, helps us refine paraphrases, and and, and really hone our our skills as coaches. So you're really being mindful of that that um, that point of the service of coaching, and that it's all about that other person. So if we're thinking about that other person, we also have to be mindful of ourselves. So really, kind of jumping back to thinking about that idea of self care, coaches always need to make sure they're taking care of themselves as well. And Tell us a little bit about one of your favorite forms of self-care. We heard about that in um, episode three with Nicole Turner, and we wanted to hear a little bit more about how you integrate self-care. Well, for me, one one huge piece that keeps me energized is family. And I, I don't do a very good job of turning off my electronic devices. It's all There's always that piece of work that you're thinking about and it's going. But I've been trying very hard to... Uh, this since New Year's, one of the things I thought about is how am I can can I be more present for family? Uh, but second thing is being outside, whether it's in my garden, standing on the uh, on the on a river with a fishing pole. Um, those moments where you don't have the 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 sensory input from something around work, where you can really. Um, be calm. I know a lot of gardeners and people talk about grounding and actually feeling the soil and just having that, that moment to breathe and to not, to, to ponder, to have that time to let your brain kind of relax from the, the hustle and get down to these are really important ideas. And that's, that's so important to me, that time to think. Uh, I love to read and there's probably four or five books on my dresser right now and continuing to, to stay current is empowering professionally, but then being present for those people that are important to you. So when you take that time to slow down, you truly can have that deep cognition. Absolutely. 
What are your biggest challenges and also the biggest benefit in working with coaches? The biggest challenge that I see is helping everyone remain really grounded in our most important work. Because everybody that we have as coaches are so amazingly talented, it's easy to get pulled into many, many, many additional projects, and they're all good. But helping people remain focused on the most important parts is is a challenge, um, and not getting and also that like that constant badgering of of email and contact and and giving people permission to to stop and do the work, and that's why we look at data regularly. Is how are we spending our time? Oh, biggest benefit. I need to talk about that. The biggest benefit of coaching, Courtney, it is uh, I really think it's having a group of people that are so passionately committed to each other and to the good of the larger group that I, I don't think there's a challenge that we couldn't solve with this group of people because they work together so seamlessly. And that's something that coaches do very naturally, but uh, the group of coaches that we have this right now are phenomenal and beyond anything I've ever seen before. It's so incredible to hear your vigor and drive and passion for cognitive coaching and instructional coaching and just exquisite teaching and learning. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to have you here. And now we're going to move into the segment of the podcast called the rapid fire questions. So if you could answer these questions in roughly 30 seconds or less, put you on the spot. Um, tell us first, what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching? Well, the, the, the uh, tagline or the bumper sticker would be coach first, believe in others. Oh, that's powerful. That's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> if, if we don't have that positive presupposition and belief in others, then then we should be doing something other than coaching them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I just, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Perfect. Tell us, what's your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? When in doubt, pause. And... And the other superpower comes from from really paying attention to the person and working cog- very consciously to to remain in rapport and have that empathy for the person you're working with so that you're really there with the person. So the power pause and empathy. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Thank you, David, so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to impart all of this knowledge to our listeners. I know there are so many things that they're going to take away from this episode. Thank you very much for inviting me. David has really spent time refining the art of coaching. We consider ourselves lucky that we get to have him as one of our mentors. Who can you lean on to help enhance your practice? Tag a coach at C3Coaches on Twitter. Be sure to share this podcast with a friend. Thanks for listening. C3, connecting coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?